Athlete 360, the podcast. Hey, listen, I broke down Subject 2. I did this whole little training on Subject 2 in the Facebook group, which I will put a link to uh, in the description. It's called the Real Estate Accelerators Group. And inside that group, I do on Sundays what's called Sunday School, which is where I just break down a lot of different things. And I I share uh, with everybody in the group, uh, with some of my students, answer their questions, but I'm sharing with them the processes that we're doing right now, the processes that are working in the economy that we're living in right now. And so I did this training, it's about an hour and a half long, but I broke it down into three parts so it's easily digestible for the listener or the watcher, depending on where you're consuming this content. So I want to get into that. So it's going to be a three-part, right? They're about 30 minutes or so uh, each, and you can, you'll always be able to check them out. So it's going to be three different episodes that will, you know, you'll get. But I, I want to give it to you so you can digest it. I don't want it to be too much. So without further ado, let's get into the training. Subject two. Subject two is, if you don't know, it's, the, it's a creative financing strategy, and it's an act of... Um, basically assuming a mortgage, but you're not doing it in the typical sense of assumption, right? You're taking over the property. You're taking ownership, actually. You're going to be on the deed, uh, and we recommend that you do it in your LLC or a trust. And then the loan, of course, is still in someone else's name. Now, this is a strategy that you can implement whether you have money or not. It really doesn't matter because there's a number of different things that you can do in a subject to, right? There is, you can wholesale subject twos, you can uh, partner with people on subject twos, you can do them yourself. You can do subject twos with equity or with no equity, whether whether there's a lot of equity or there's a little bit of equity. There, there is literally, uh, an I don't wanna say an infinite number of ways that you can go, but there are a lot of ways that you can go about it. And I, I kind of want to go over, well, I, I want to spend some time with you. And again, if you have questions, don't hesitate to put them in the chat so I can get to them because I want this to be uh, informative and I want you to be able to, you know, take action, literally take action once you get off this phone call or phone call off this live, you know. So. Let's just kind of dig right into it. Let me go over here. Let me share my screen with you a little bit. All right. So here we are. Subject two. So subject two is a strategy to acquire control of a property. Uh, And you don't need any of your own documents, right? And again, acquiring or taking control of the property means your name, your company's name rather, we would never recommend that you do these things in your personal name. That is never a good way to go. Uh, and I also, we're going to talk about how agents fit into this and everything because there is a tremendous opportunity for agents and for investors to work with agents through this. I, I didn't get into that right away, so pardon me. But let's just stick to the script here for a second. So if you get, you know, once you get a deal in hand, you're going to put your business name or your trust on there that's something that you control or your partnership controls and it's yours you know the the house is yours your name is on the deed and the loan is in someone else's name and you don't need any documents to do it 
So like you have to, even with a hard money loan, you know, they want to see your taxes or your bank statements. You know, they want you to have some kind of credit. Most of them want some kind of credit. Some of them want you to have a 680. Some of them want you to have at least a 620. Some of them at certain times will even say a 580, which is fine. But the point is you have to go through all the rigmarole, right? You've got to a lot of times show proof of funds to a lender. But even in this situation, sometimes you're going to have to show proof of funds. It depends on the sophistication of the seller, right? Um, But you don't need anything, you know? You get the deed, but the mortgage stays in the seller's name. And you, again, these are documents that you would typically need to show to a lender in order for you to get a loan. And you don't need that. Why don't you need that? Well, you're not going through a typical lending process. In essence, the homeowner, the current homeowner, becomes your bank. Okay? And there is a bit of an education process nine times out of 10, 9.9 times out of 10. There's a bit of an education process that goes with this. But the reason you don't need these documents is because you're not going to a traditional bank. You're not going to a commercial lender or a hard money lender. You're not doing any of that, right? You are going to this homeowner. You're identifying whatever their pain point is because there's, if someone's going to do this deal, there's always a pain point, right? There's always a point of pain, a point of contention uh, that someone is going to have, and we want to know what that is, right? So it could be a distress situation, whether it's physically financially, and I say physically to the property, physical to the property, but it could be physical to the person as well. A lot of times you work with older people, you know, that are trying to downsize or not even downsize, just get out of the house because they don't want to cut the grass and clean the gutters and do all the rigmarole that comes with, you know, taking care of a house. Once you get up in age, I mean, a lot of people just don't want to do that anymore. It just literally doesn't make any sense for them. Maybe physically they just can't do it anymore. There's just a lot of different things that go go about go with that. And then I got to throw this little caveat in there. There is, you know, the reverse mortgages that are out there, right? And a lot of people have been asking lately, listen, can can we do subject to with uh, a reverse mortgage? Well, I mean, technically yes, but not really. The circumstances surrounding that can be a little little difficult sometimes so you got to you got to be careful really you you have to be careful cuz anything can actually happen when you're dealing with um the reverse mortgage lenders they're typically very in tune to what their you know what their uh, uh homeowners are are doing with their property they check on them quite regularly because they want to see if they passed or you know who's there if they're living there if they've moved on to you know, something else, meaning out of that particular property, you know, they want to know, you know, they want to know. So they kind of stay on that. So utilizing those are kind of different. Uh, They're very, very different. And you should really know what you're doing if you're going to look into getting something like that, because equity plays a big, big part uh, in that. And, um, you know, I just, you, you really have to know what you're doing, how much equity is there? What, uh, is there any equity there? Uh, what are the, cause every one of those loans are different. I mean, they're all different. So you have to be really, 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 really careful when you're dealing, uh, with those kind of situations. Right. So, but we're not going to dig into that right now. Cause that kind of doesn't even make sense because I want to keep this 
I don't want to say superficial, but I want to keep it on a level where you can understand exactly what's going on, right? So in essence, a subject to is taking over a property. Your name is going to be on the deed. It's yours for all intents and purposes. And there are going to, uh, the loan will stay in that person's name, right? So what kind of documents are going to be needed to do this? And then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes, but I absolutely want to give you you know, the specifics of what's going on and what's absolutely needed, right? So here are the documents, and these aren't all the documents, okay? There are, there are other documents that are going to be involved, but they come from the lender, right? Or from your attorney or your title company. You know, most of those things are going to come through there. So I want to point out, you know, how uh, the things that you're going to need when you are speaking to that person so you can gather all the documentation that's going to be necessary for you to find success in this particular process, right? So the first thing that we're going to be looking at is, uh, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that, this uh, third-party authorization to release information. That's the first thing we're going to look at, right? I mean, there's other, th I mean, there's, I don't want to say it's the first, and there's really no, all of this is just one package that we present when we're having things signed or when the agent is having things signed because it, it, it just doesn't, it, it matters who's doing what. We like to kind of do those things. We don't like to relinquish a lot of that to other people for a lot of different reasons. One, we want to make sure these things are explained properly. It's ex extremely important that these things are explained properly and effectively to the uh, the seller, right? We don't want them to have any real, you know, any questions about what they're doing. You know, we want them to know what they're doing. There's no reason to lie. There's no reason to be deceptive. There's no reason to rush your way into an opportunity as so many people do, which is why we have a lot of issues out there. So I want to, you know, reiterate that. So a third party uh, uh, authorization to release information allows you uh, to gather information if necessary from the lender, you know, from any party associated with this particular uh, deal, right? Now, the next thing that we're going to focus on is, of course, the purchase and sale agreement. The purchase and sale agreement is 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 it's important. Now, you there are different PSAs, uh, you know, purchase and sale agreements out there, and you do want to know uh, what you're what you're doing. You do want to know what it says in there. It's important to know what is being said inside your purchase and sale agreement because a basic blank purchase purchase and sale agreement may not have everything that you're going to need to have in it like you want to make sure that you know this is a, a fully assignable contract that should be in all your contracts anyway it should be in all your contracts so you know there are people that have forms or i should say purchase and sale agreements that are specific to uh, a subject to, and there are others that, you know, that have these blanket ones. And I got to tell you, you know, whatever documentation that, it, that they're using in your state, it's not really good enough. You got to have addendums to that. You know, if you're going to be dealing with an agent, for instance, a lot of times they really want to use the, their, you know, state contracts, which is fine. You just have to have all the affidavits and put things in that particular contract that are going to you know, let let everybody know, hey, this is this contract is fully assignable, meaning if you wanted to wholesale that thing off, you can. You can that's one of your exit strategies. It, it, or if you're going to sell it to another 
another one of your companies or a partnership, you know, but it went under contract here, but it's going to close over here. Uh, Michael, what are you saying here? Is this about being an assigner or assignee, an assignment form? It doesn't have to be an assignment form per se. Good question. It literally just needs to be a line item on the contract that says this contract is fully assignable. That's all it really has to say. There's some other verbiage as you start to, to work with different kind of situations that you want in there, but we're going to keep this simple. And your attorney or title company, depending on where you are, is going to know once you talk to them and say, hey, we're doing this subject too. You know, what do we need in our documents to be safe in this state? Right? Because we know that state law is different from place to place. Can you do this everywhere? Yes, you can. Can you do it with VA loans? Yes, you can. Are there objections that are going to pop up? People saying, hey, listen, I'm trying to buy another house and I can't buy one, my lender said, until I sell this house. Can you object to that? Absolutely. You have to look at the kind of loan they have because there are loans that specifically state how to do a subject to deal inside their documents, inside the documents that they signed when they initially bought the house. So th these things are already there. You know, it's, it's not a matter of it, it being impossible to do. It's a matter of people understanding what they can do or how to do it. And sometimes that requires, you know, the closing attorney to have a conversation with the finance company and so on and so forth. A really easy thing to overcome, but we'll talk about those things a little bit later. Okay. Now going back, your purchase and sale agreement is an important thing to have. Obviously, you want to make sure you have that. Uh, I like to have seller disclosures, right? Defects in the property. When we go look at a property, we are always looking for some kind of physical defects. It's one of the things we do. I mean, when you're looking at a particular opportunity, there are many exit strategies, right? There's not just one. You might be looking at this property it might have come in as a wholesale lead, but as you gather more information, you realize for one reason or another, this isn't going to work. You know, generally that has to do with how much money is in the deal or rather not in the deal, how much equity is or isn't there. You know, that will switch up how you are, are coming at it. Now, if you have a high equity deal, can you still do a subject to? Absolutely. There's an infinite number of ways for you to work it out. And, you know, in terms of your exit strategy or how you put it together, you know, you can have, you take over the loan, you can, you can uh, uh, agree on a price above, of course, the loan amount, depending on the situation. And you can have a situation set up where not only are you paying that mortgage, but you're paying interest on the equity that, because technically they're, they're your bank and they're going to be in second position, but that's the case, right? They are going to have, um, basically a second loan if they want to get some of their interest. That's what you want to do. You want to be in control of the property. You want to be in control of where the money goes. You don't want to be sending that check to the person and hope that they pay because they might not want to pay. They might have something that comes up in their life that you just never know. So you want to make sure you have that control. But the disclosure, the seller disclosure that points out the defects in the property is something that when we go and look at a property, we say, oh, it needs paint or there's water damage in the, in the, on the bathroom floor. You know, the general things that we do, we put that in there as part of the disclosures. Hey, these are the things that are wrong with the property. 
You know, it could be termite damage. It could be any number of things, right? So we want to make sure that that's in there as well. Because again, if it's not, it, it you know, it really doesn't matter because you're going to say you're taking it as is and so on and so forth. But I like to make sure those things are in there, me personally, because to me, it absolutely matters. I want everything to be disclosed. The next is acknowledgement of the due on sale clause. The due on sale clause is always there. And so this is one thing that people ask about constantly when it comes to these kinds of deals. You know, why is the bank going to do this? Aren't they going to exercise their due on sale clause? They could exercise their due on sale clause. It depends on the situation, right? So you're going to, uh, the bank generally doesn't care as long as they're getting paid. They're going to stay out of the way. But you're going to acknowledge with the seller that, hey, we acknowledge that this due on sale clause, clause does exist. And in the event that we have to go ahead and refinance it or sell it, we'll, we'll do that, right? But you want it to be disclosed. There are a number of ways that you can deal with it. But if you're making your payments, you're not going to ever have any issues, ever, right? Paul, uh, would you suggest having a person who does home inspections uh, to be with us to spe uh, specify the property defects? You know what? That's a very good question. And yes, you can do that, right? Over time, you're going to be able to discern what's going on with the property. In the beginning, yeah. I mean, if you've got a friend and it's not going to cost you 400 bucks to get it done, why not, right? And I'm not saying avoid having, you know, avoid doing that because of the two, three, four, five hundred dollars that that costs. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, if if you don't have it, it's an expense that you don't necessarily want to incur, right? Because you still got earnest money. You know, there's a bunch of money that has to come up. Do you want it? Depends on the deal. I mean, if you're looking at a property and you know this thing needs a lot of work, a ton of work, hey, you know, we, we look at all the foundation. We look at the roof. We look at the HVAC systems. We look at the water heater. We look at the furnaces. We look at everything. But we're looking at it with, you know, 20 years of experience, right? Everybody doesn't have 20 years of experience to be able to look at a roof and say, hey, it looks worn, right? I mean, how do you know until you've done it? So, yeah, at times it, it may be very important to have. And if you have someone on your team already, then that's great. That's one of the things that we talk about in the training, you know, it's building your, your success team, right? And having someone like that, whether it's a contractor or an inspector, Having one of those people on your team is always going to be important, especially when you're just starting out so you know what to look at. I mean, it's really difficult if you don't know what to look at. I can sit here and talk to you till I'm blue in the face about this, the windows, the roof, the flooring, the cabinets. Some things are obvious. Some things are not so obvious. Some things are just not obvious. And I got to tell you, I don't like going underneath houses. It's not my thing, right? I don't want to do it. I'm here in Georgia. And I, I simply don't want to do it. We had some properties uh, a little, you know, west Texas, and uh, we did some things in Arizona. And, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of crawl spaces over there, right? But, you know, you'll go into the back shed or something, and there'll be snakes in there. I'm not playing with that, man. I'm hiring the people that do that to do that. It's not, it's not my thing. You know, I don't, I just, I'm not going to do it. So if I need to get those things, I'm going to get them from the people that do them. But, Going back to where we were, the due on sale clause. 
It's just an acknowledgement that you know that it's there because you want you want to point this out to them so that you can alleviate any pressure or 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 fear that they may have about that being exercised uh, on their behalf, right? Or in the negative. But there's there's ways to do that. All right. And then the next one we have there is the affidavit of liens. Why would we want to have that in there? Because we're going to do a title search anyway. The reason that we want to have it in there is we want them to disclose all these things to us. Yes, we're going to see if there's any liens that pop up on the house or even the person for that matter uh, when we do the title search. And regardless of what pops up, we're getting a title policy anyway, right? Because remember, any liens are going to be attached to the property. It's not attached to the loan. It's attached to the property. It's attached to the person, but they have to go then and attach it to the property, right? So if we know that there are liens in place, we can negotiate from that perspective. But we have them sign an affidavit of liens for just pure disclosure purposes. We want them to be as honest with us as we are going to be with them, period. So if they are um, not being honest, again, it's going to show up on the title search and then we will deal with it from that perspective. How do you deal with that? Well, there's plenty of negotiation space for how you're going to deal with liens that pop up in people's names. It depends on how much it is. Um, I mean, all, all of this comes into play. Can you overcome those objections? A thousand percent yes. Absolutely. But once you find yourself in that position, you're just going to start talking. You're going to talk to the lien holder. You're going to talk to the person. You're going to talk to the lender. You're going to talk to all these people based on how their loan was structured and the laws of the state, you'll decide how you're going to move forward with those liens, right? Because you can assume that property, you can still take over the property with the liens in place. You can still do that. You just have to uh, negotiate those things away. It's as simple as that. But again, it's vitally important that that's there. All right. Affidavit of marital status. Why do we want to have an affidavit of marital status? Well, because more often than not, what happens? You know, we get a lot of these deals from people that are, you know, going through a divorce. They're splitting up. And we call people constantly. We're constantly talking to people. And this one person might be on the deed that or popped up in the in the search when we when we skip trace them the other person may not have popped up in that search it doesn't mean they're not on the deed it just means that this is the person that popped up and this is the person we're having a conversation with so we now have to say hey you know what's going on with this property and you is there you know is there a husband is there a wife is there someone else who's on the deed or on the loan who's there right more importantly for us it's a matter of the deed but we need them to disclose who's on the deed. Again, this is something that we're going to find out once we run title, right? We'll know who's on, on the deed. But the more information we have uh, as soon as possible, you know, we can start to deal with these things. We deal with spouses all the time. And I don't have to tell you, some of these conversations can be, you know, a little extra <laughs> because you, you we had a, we had a husband and wife that were going through a divorce or two people, I should say, that were going through a divorce where the husband was motivated to 
you know, save his credit and get this thing. They were going, you know, she was willing to allow it to go into foreclosure. He'd moved out of state. She moved to another part of town and she could care less. And she wanted to get a bunch of money, money that really wasn't there in terms of a down payment. And we were just not, you know, it was unreasonable where he wanted a very small amount of money relative to what she was asking for. And he was willing to give half of what he was asking for. He was asking for 10. He was going to keep five and give her five. He felt that that was fair. She wanted 20 just on her side. And there wasn't enough equity and MVM was way over at this point. You know, $20,000 plus just maybe five for him on top of the renovations that were needed to the property just took it took it over the top because it was already, you know, close to its equity point. So we figured something out with the help of the husband. We finally got her to the table and were able to work something out. But, you know, it took another two months to do that, to work that out. And, the, you know, that mortgage clock continues to escalate. You know, that money is still adding up. So we needed to make sure that those things get taken care of, right? So we did that. So you want to have that in advance. It's going to help you out a great deal. Uh, it's, just, it's just really important that you get as much information as possible. Notification to the lender. Now, this is something that you'll just keep for yourself. I mean, if you want to notify the lender right away, you can. There are times when you need to notify a lender, you know, when you're negotiating maybe with them, because when you're doing these subject twos, maybe it's a pre-foreclosure and this person uh, is behind, you know, six months, eight months, 12 months, whatever the case, and you don't necessarily want to pay this, you know, huge amount of money. It could be, you know, 20, 30, $40,000 sometimes. We've seen them pretty high, depends on the, on the house. So we want to try to negotiate any expenses. We want to say, hey, listen, you know, we've got 20% to put down in this particular scenario. You know, if they owe 40000 we have 10000 you know, that we can give you now. Can we work something out, kind of a, a forbearance kind of situation or a modification? Can we put something together to get this out of foreclosure status where we don't have to come up with the 40000 But that's more on the negotiation side. But that notice, uh, notification to lender is uh, coupled with what comes after that are the documents that are necessary for you to give to the lender so the lender can legally, lawfully have uh, that communication with you. And what is that second document? That second document is the limited power of attorney uh, for this real estate transaction. That is the second document that you're going to need, right? Those two things are what you would send uh, to them. Now, the third-party authorization, a lot of times that winds up being the limited power of attorney it depends on how you word it, right? We, we use them all in one, but there are other people that have them separated, right? So we use them all in one. The third-party authorization and the limited uh, power of attorney is, is one document that is the acknowledgement of that person saying, hey, this, the, they have the right to do this. They have the right to have this conversation. It's got their name, their date of birth, their social security number, along with an all in a limited power of attorney structure that is then, you know, notarized and sent off to the, um, to the lender. So that just lets them know that they can talk to you. And a lot of times you're going to need to have that conversation. Now, again, as I said, there are additional 
uh, disclosures that are needed in various situations that, you know, they're going to be different things for different states, really. There are disclosures that are, are needed in California that aren't needed in Georgia. There are things needed in, you know, um, Illinois that you don't need in Arizona and so on and so forth, so forth. But those are, those are documents, generally speaking, that are going to be all in the closing package that your attorney and or title company puts in place for you. Okay. Does that make sense? Good. All right. Any, any questions so far as we, as we, uh, uh move on, I want to make sure that, that we're, 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 that you're getting everything you need to get, because we're going to, we're going to go now into where you're going to find these deals, right? So that is kind of like the, the technical minutia, if you will, but it's important for you to know. I mean, it's vital. It's, it's just as important for you to know that as it is for me to tell you, listen, go out and get an, uh, an, an LLC set up right now. Go out right now and get an LLC. Why should you have an LLC? You don't want to put anything in your name, right? Um, you can have land trust situations in place uh, when you do each one of these deals and you can do each one of these into separate land trusts as well. You, I would recommend that you speak to an attorney in your state. There are a lot of people that do land trusts. We do them uh, for the ones that we, we utilize in the subject to spaces. But that is a great way. I mean, I, so let, okay, so Paul has a question here. Paul says, so title and or lawyer would know these docs needed. Yes, yes, sir. So I gave you the ones that you want to have in your package. Those are the documents that you want to have in your package that you make sure get um, get signed. The other disclosures that are needed, and there's again, there's a ton of them that are going to be needed. I mean, some places require you to have lead-based paint, and you know, just for a transfer of title, uh, which you know, it is what it is. But you know, if that's something that's needed, those things are going to pop up when the attorney or title company is looking at all the documents in front of them. And they say, hey, listen, we're going to need this or we're going to need that and we're going to need this. Then you just go from there and you go get it. If there's an agent involved, having that disclosure, uh, you know, whatever the disclosure is, is going to be pretty simple if it's related to them. Most of them, these disclosures are basically notifications from the attorney to the seller and or buyer or title, you know, attorney or title company to the seller and or buyer. And those notifications are important. They're required by law in any given state. And because they're required by law, we can always count on our uh, title companies and, and lawyers to make sure that they CYA in every case, right? In every case. So, but you want to know as well. So you have to get familiar with what those things are in your state. It's, it's really, really important. Excuse me one second. So those things are important for you to know, right? So 